Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. We're still in this month of July hearing from some fresh perspectives. And uh, I'm, I'm thrilled today to be sitting down with uh, the world famous, at least around Southridge, uh, Erica Singer. Erica, say hi to everybody. Hi. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, this is not your first rodeo, but uh, you were reminding me before we hit record that the first time you recorded one of these was uh, like a month or two into your job. So you weren't really sure kind of where you were even at at that point, but no uh, now you're, doing. yeah, you're, you're a KG veteran and uh, today you, uh, you're going to profess that you do know what you're doing. Yeah, most days. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, do you want to give uh, those of us who've never met you before just a, a, a bit of quick background rundown on uh, where you're coming from, background, you know, family, things like that? Yeah, sure. So I am from St. Thomas. It's just a smallish town kind of near London. Uh, my family still live there, so my parents are still there. Um, I have an older brother and my parents as well. And then I actually went to Brock um, whenever years and it feels like years ago. Um, but I actually volunteered here at the shelter and then moved home after school because I had zero money and then ended up back here a couple years later. So it's been kind of a cool, like full circle kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. The moving home with zero money is part of all of our stories. So yeah, yeah true. To be ashamed of. Yeah, we've all done that. Yeah. Um, now, you're working at this Southridge and uh, you've got like what many would consider to be like the sweetest job. So to talk about your role, help us understand what it is that you get to do every day. Yeah, sure. So my fancy name, like whatever title is community life director. Um, so I like the basics of my job is to plan the fun stuff in the shelter. Um, and I also get to support all the volunteers that come uh, into the shelter as well. So the fun stuff would be like Euchre nights and, We've got ladies' coffee and men's coffee and um, the retreat I helped to plan, um, all the barbecues in the summer. Some, yeah, somebody texted me last night. They're like, oh, you're the director of fun. So that's cool. I like having that title. But yeah, that's kind of the basics of what I get to do is help build community within the shelter and kind of straddle the, the church community as well, getting them involved. Yeah, for those outside of Southridge who are, are new to this idea of a, a church with a, a homeless shelter as part of it, this role of fostering community life and providing all these supplemental experiences to just the 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 hostel, the the what we call the three hots and the cot uh, that a shelter resident experiences, is really integral to their life and their wellness and their recovery isn't it yeah absolutely and like we all thrive in community and we're just trying to build that for the folks that are staying in the shelter and broader community as well so yeah it's been really cool to see yeah we've learned over the years that marginalization is much more of a relational issue than a Mm -hmm. a a function of circumstance and so to unmarginalize people is to get them connected or reconnected in community. And so this role, I mean, we kind of joke about it being the director, the pastor of fun, whatever. Um, 
it, it's integral to not only the life of our residents, uh, but also, as you said, the engagement of our congregation in those friendships that make a difference. So it's, it's, it's really a significant contribution to the life of our church. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your, how, how your summer's going so far? Yeah, summer has been good. Uh, I've been going up north a bit, and I've actually been able to experience like what Niagara has around here. I've moved in August of 2019, so most of the summers I've been here, all of the summers, have been COVID. So it's been fun to actually get out and see what Niagara has to offer in the summer. So it's been really good to, to do that as well. Is this your first summer in Niagara? Well, no, it's my third, but the last two have been COVID and everything's been kind of shut down. So. Right. Okay. So the first, first real, real summer in Niagara. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Yeah. Hey, uh, you talk about COVID and I know that especially when your role is to foster community life and kind of mm-hmm. in-person life on life connection, uh, things have been a real challenge, but I know that this, this past season has been a particular challenge for you. So to just share with our, our listeners a little bit of uh, what's been going on in the last, you know, six to, to 12 months of your world, I know that things have been pretty tough. So what's what's been going on there? Yeah, so I might cry, but we'll see how this goes. Um, yeah, I actually lost my brother at the end of January. Um, yeah, he was waiting for a second liver transplant because of an autoimmune disease, and there's just a multitude of complications that he just couldn't get past and so led us here to to today of him passing away so that's been a massive life-altering grief-stricken crappy (laughs) horrible season that's for my family and I um yeah I don't know he his name is Michael and he he fought like hell and yeah he, I've never been so proud to see somebody fight so hard, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And while you reload there, you know, this was something that I know a number of us on staff kind of tracked with. And as much as we were praying, you know, for, for the second transplant and donor and things like that, um, things really escalated suddenly and, and, and in a lot of ways, shockingly, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Things there was a lot of hope like he was in the hospital and he's been he was doing so well and he was actually up and walking the week before and we would talk to him and facetime him and and all that kind of stuff but yeah things just took a wild turn and yeah the night before he actually passed we got a phone call from the doctors and they're like he's really unwell he's not doing great um and we like knew that and they're like we don't have to talk about end of life kind of stuff yet but it might come, whatever. And um, I remember sitting in the car with my parents and feeling this like overwhelming sense of peace that like kind of everything would be okay. It definitely was not the okay that we were expecting. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, but yeah. Yeah, for some of us looking back, you know, we think about January and the emergence of the Omicron variant and being mm-hmm. shut down again and think, man, you know, yeah. that season was was tough. Yeah. Um, you've lived in the last six months, you've lived up a, a different level of tough. And yeah. um, I'm just wondering in all that, Erica, yeah. you know, how have you experienced Jesus? How has he met you? Uh, you know, what, what's been your experience in the last six months? 
Yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of struggled with the whole, I don't feel like Jesus was faithful to the end because my end is different than his. Um, but I've also seen Jesus meet me exactly where I'm at in the days where I feel I cannot get myself to get out of bed. Um, and in like the life of my community around me, that's carried me through since whatever. It hasn't been just the six months, but leading into it, there's a lot of crap as well. But yeah, I think my community from back home, from where I grew up, and that's where my brother and all of his community is, um, to my community here, it's just been really incredible to to have so many people surrounding me and loving me and my family um, through phone calls, like people checking in constantly while I was off and me being able to like walk into Annie's office and be like, hi, I need a hug. And that's kind of sufficient and I can kind of go on with my day. Um, but also to massive tears and, and all of that. It's been really beautiful just to have the community. And I think that's where Jesus has been meeting me is through the people that he has put in my life and my family's life over the past forever. And even in the past three years of having been working here at Southridge, it's been just a massive, massive support for me going forward. There's a lot of grace. So. Yeah. I wondered about that in the, in the sense that, you know, Michael and your parents, you know, everyone lives in St. Thomas Mm -hmm. and you're here in Niagara and you're kind of doing the back and forth thing. What have you learned about the importance of, or even just how have you experienced our church family in that from a distance to some degree? Yeah, I think, yeah, like it's a two hour drive, like it's decently close, but it's also feels really far. Um, I think just the, like my vulnerability around where I'm at has been important in the way that people are supporting me and loving me well. Um, but also I'm like going home a ton more often. My parents are coming up to see me as well. Um, but yeah, just seeing like the church family, like people that don't even know me have said, Hey, like continue to pray for you and, and your family and all of that kind of stuff. Just having this church community that loves you unconditionally, whether you're sobbing on a Sunday morning or kind of deadpan because you don't know how to feel or you're not feeling anything. It's yeah. It's been really great to have, that kind of church community surrounding my family. That's awesome. And for those listening who maybe didn't know Erica's story, you know, especially if you're from our St. Catharines location, you see her on a Sunday. Um, an arm around Erica on a Sunday wouldn't be a bad thing, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely not. Yeah, it's definitely welcome. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing all that and just giving us a bit of a context for, for where you're coming from and uh, excited to get some of your kind of emerging gen, fresh perspective on uh, some of the things that are going on uh, around our church these days. One thing that I'd like to tap into mm-hmm. kind of uniquely because you'd be the first of these podcasts this month uh, who've been a, a, a staff member. I know that recently uh, we got to, you talk about COVID cancellations, um, we got to reclaim our all staff retreat. Yeah. And I know that this was the first time that you'd ever done one of these. So I'm just yeah. sort of curious to get your take on like, what was that like? And for people who've never experienced it, like what, what, what should they know about that? Yeah. I mean, it's the infamous staff retreat that I've heard about for three years. So my expectations were high and definitely were met. So 
yeah, it's just the time where we all head up north to uh, Camp Crossroads and we just kind of hang out. It felt like a bit of a uh, breath of fresh air, honestly. Um, yeah, we got to hang out with staff that we see like daily, but don't actually get to interact with a ton. Um, yeah, it was just great to build into some relationships that have um, kind of have been there, but it was like a really intentional time to build friendships there. And um, we also got to eat together, which I think is just such an important thing. And there was a Euchre tournament that I believe, can you remind me, Jeff, um, Martins and I destroyed you and Dana in? Um, is that correct? <laughs> On the record, that would be that would be correct. That, that we were paired up, and my partner Dana Williams and I ran the table during the Euchre tournament. But for some reason, people wanted to delay the championship game to the next day, and so the next day we were a little off. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether we were sunburnt or just distracted, but we 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 managed to to give that that uh, championship to you and Jeff Martins and so Sounds I'm like a, uh, excuses yeah. I don't know <laughs> what do they what do they say second place is the first loser so yeah. I, I that's 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 kind of where I'm living these days but there you go. what uh it, it in all of that I mean there's all kinds of things we could talk about as far yeah. as what happens in this infamous staff retreat but you know having been there and kind of experienced God at work among us What's your sense of just the the pulse of our staff these days for people outside of our staff who are wondering, like, how's everybody doing? How, you know, what was your feel of where we're at? Yeah, I think like, cause it's a combo, like it's not a combo, it's the entire staff team. So people that are working in the shelter and um, in the church as well. So I think people are still tired um, from the pandemic and whatever life has thrown at people, but I think people are excited. I feel like there's a bit of a, fire lit under people's butts I'm at least I'm feeling that um that people are excited about the next year and feeling like there's a bit of momentum um even in the summer feeling like there's some great things that are coming down the pipeline and excited for for what the next year holds yeah yeah it was amazing how much uh, you know when we were all kind of driving off the parking lot at the end of the retreat how, how, how much all of us felt like man I didn't realize how much I needed that exactly in the connecting with each other, the formal sessions, the informal socializing, mm-hmm. the meals, and just the, like you said, the, the, the fire under our butts of, you know, what God wants to be up to in this next mm-hmm. season of our lives together. And, and uh, yeah, it was a really exciting time. And I would say, I would say the same thing that it felt like it was a, a, a much needed time together to breathe some, some life into a tired group. So yeah pretty excited about where we're headed yeah. in that spirit. Uh, want to just get your take on some stuff. Yeah. Um, first of all, let's just talk about kind of this emerging generation in general. Cause I know that your role in the shelter, let alone your connections at Brock and, and, you know, just kind of your peer group gives you a really unique purview to connect mm-hmm. with a lot of different emerging gen uh, around our community And I'm just wondering from your perspective, like what's the heartbeat of the emerging gen these days when it comes to the church and kingdom and things like that? Yeah. I feel like this emerging gen is, is feeling like an excitement. I was actually at Brock as well this week and and students are excited to be part of this community. I've gotten emails from people that want to volunteer and be part of it, but even just like our church community seen the, there's definitely been 
I would say an uptick in emerging gen that are interested in being part of the shelter um, and wanting to like dive into this community and like the broader church community as well. It's been really interesting to see. I feel like it's just been over like the last few months that I've really noticed an increase in emerging gen that are like pumped about the church um, and like the church that they want it to be, not so much like the negative space that the church sometimes has or does have um, in the broader society. I think people are wanting to to see a bit of a shift in there and be part of that shift so the church can be a safe and welcoming space for, for everybody. And when you say that the, the church that they want to see, I, I'm curious because this is really the, the, the point of the conversation. Like, what is it yeah. that our emerging gen these days wants to see more of? What is the church, quote unquote, for them, as you described it? Yeah, I think, I think a more, like a diverse, a bigger diversity within our community. Um, I think like the safe space is massive. I think there's so many ostracized people that like experience that from the church that I think by switching it and being able to be this like, I don't know, I know I've used the, like the words of like safe space a lot, but for people to just come and land and be exactly who, who they are, I think that is a massive thing that the emerging gen are hoping to see as as they're more involved within the church and, and filling in leadership positions as well. And when you talk about the reputation of the church or the way it's kind of viewed in society, mm-hmm. what what pieces of that does the emerging gen these days want to see less of or or to just kind of move as far away from as possible? Yeah, I think they want to see less ostracizing of the LGBTQ community and um, they want to see women in leadership a ton. And I think that it's happening a lot around Southridge, but it's like the broader church that needs to happen more. Um, Yeah, I think they want to see less of, I don't know, I was just almost, I was finishing your book actually while I was up north that you wrote and like the less, like less suicides um, from like the LGBTQ community wanting to see less of that um, by providing a safe space and a welcoming space for that community here uh, in the church. And as you're engaging with this emerging gen, especially obviously around your community life role in the shelter, like what, what's your sense of the greatest difference or even just the uniqueness that they want to bring to the church and to our future together? What, what, what are they bringing to the table to make a difference? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that and I was trying to kind of pinpoint what I was thinking, but we'll, we'll attempt it. I think at least for my generation, we grew up a lot talking about mental health in the LGBTQ community. Um, and I think having those conversations from such a young age and making sure that as a community, we're being inclusive and loving and welcoming. I think as an emerging gen brings that because whether it's like, it's kind of like an education from a young age, right? Around mental health. I think that is massive because it's a bit of a taboo conversation for potentially like older generations, right? Like it wasn't talked about as much. And I think having those conversations so young and having those like at the forefront of the emerging gen's mind will be, will be massive as the, like for the future of the church. Yeah, so there are 
our cultural conversations that yeah. are a little more native to that generation yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, less taboo, which then yeah. kind of paves the way for the behaviors yeah. that are more inclusive and, uh, you know, as you, as you described, more diverse. And, and yeah. I like the word that you use, safer. Yeah. Just just safer spaces, bottom line. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, these conversations we've been having lately have resulted in some additional... I'll call them experiments or at least initiatives uh, with the emerging gen. And I know in your world, trying to mobilize people in ministry, Mm -hmm. I'd be curious, like what have you seen or experienced even in your role that you've found challenging when it comes to engaging and involving this emerging generation of leaders? Can you say that question again? (laughs) Is there anything that's that's is there anything that's uniquely difficult or challenging about getting them involved in the life and ministry of the church? Hmm. I feel like I don't know. I feel like sometimes there might not be like the spots to engage emerging gen. I feel like sometimes I also I fall into the emerging gen that um, that sometimes we assume that like we need to have like the highest or like the highest position and or like a paid position to be part of this, to be a leader, to, to help to make change and to, to lead wherever the church is headed. But it's actually just like in the everyday, like kind of daily interactions at the church and like through volunteering. But I feel like sometimes like my generation can get caught up in like, oh, I need to have like this high paying job that, I, gives me the leadership that I'm kind of looking for when in reality it's like it's actually not that it's having like conversations and mentors starting off to build that confidence and that leadership in in us until maybe we're kind of ready and or like thrown into a position that we're like ready to take on those leadership roles through like either a paid position and or like volunteering it doesn't I don't think because you're paid means you're a leader but yeah, I think leaders come in all different sizes. I don't know That's if that answered your question. <laughs> no, it's a super interesting observation, especially mm-hmm. in relation to how many emerging gen mm-hmm. are also in a season of life where they're starting to consider their longer term future yeah. and career. Yeah. So you've got these kind of growing up career trajectory thoughts mm-hmm. that often they often shape how you view making a difference in ministry mm-hmm. and sometimes you 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 know especially at Southridge where there are a lot of emerging gen who are on staff and leading in different ways yeah. you can assume that the the only way to do that is through a paid position I love your invitation to say listen just show up bring yourself let's get you involved and start making a difference now mm-hmm. you're not you know it doesn't require platform or position or even no. payment um it just requires your participation, yeah. which is, which is, that's a great observation. I feel like um, I'm sorry. I feel, no, go ahead. I feel like I'd be kind of a prime example of that. Like I volunteered in the shelter, like when I was at school for about a year and then my friend Megan Smiley was just like, Oh, there might be a job. Like you should look into it. And like, whether that's coming from being a volunteer and then coming into a working role or whatever, like, I feel like I would be a, a decent example of that. 
Yeah. Totally. And if someone wanted to know more about that, they could follow up with you and just hear kind yeah. of your journey of how you, you know, showed up, got involved, kitchen yeah. and, you know, some of the programs and things and one thing led to another. So yeah, <laughs> yeah just another great example of that. Um, have you been able to be around for any of the July teaching series? How are you and your peers feeling about that? Yeah, I was able to see Courtney live and I watched um, Owen online, I guess, this past Sunday. Um, yeah, it's been great to see young leaders up on stage. I think it's really encouraging for them and it builds confidence in, in themselves. But I also feel like they're providing an example of like to other emerging gen that they are more than capable of taking on leadership roles in the church. That does like, just because from, they're from the stage doesn't mean that that's the role for them. But I think it's just like a, like a good example that they're setting of like, okay, we are, yes, this emerging gen and we can take up space in like a good way of like, hi, we're here. Like we want to be part of this kind of how can we contribute to the broader church um, in like various roles throughout that. Yeah. yeah, like I'm hoping that to all emerging gen, the teaching series would, would more than just the content of the messages, just the teaching series itself would communicate, especially to our emerging gen, that they've got something significant to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that people, I mean, you can speak to this, you know, are, are, are people kind of getting that vibe? Are they getting that message just through the medium that is the message of having these emerging gen share. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so for sure. Okay. Well, let's uh, kind of wrap up with a few kind of random popcorn questions just to get your take and voice oh, on boy. some of the ways that God's been growing us as a church lately. Okay. Uh, obviously being so familiar with the shelter in St. Catharines yeah. and really being in a, a role that is all about the fostering of what we call this friendship that makes a difference. Yeah. How are you feeling we're doing on that these days? How's, how's that going in cultivating those unlikely mutual friendships? Yeah, I think, I think the barbecue, we had a, like one of our community barbecues last night. I think it's actually kind of a perfect example of that. Um, a couple kind of ways that it's been happening is we've been building these like community connects, like, so it's been somebody uh, from the church and somebody from like the broader shelter community um, and kind of like a bit of a matchmaking like thing that we're trying to build friendships with people. Um, so last night at the, at the barbecue, there was around 200 people there. Um, and honestly, I really don't care too much about the number, but the number of people that were there like built into this like beautiful, messy, like vibe that was there and it was just really interesting like the range of people right like there was residents and broader shelter community churchgoers community connect partners and then some just like random people it just felt like there's a space to build friendship and community um that is so messy but also very beautiful and there's competitiveness through the beanbag competition tournament thing but um yeah it's really not how good an event is it's actually like how god is like lighting those fires under people's butts and in people's souls to be part of this messy community that i think is really starting to build and i think last night was a good example of seeing that yeah you talk about something like a community barbecue uh, as simple as that is mm -hmm. we've said for years that these really when it comes to the future of how we understand god wanting to work in a community like ours across niagara 
these really can become the new front door. Yeah. As opposed to the show up on Sunday, walk into a, an auditorium lobby. Like, again, when you come to the idea of safety, mm-hmm. like this is the new front door of a, of, a, of a faith community, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, another question, obviously, as, yeah. a, as a female leader, Mm-hmm. Talk about what you're seeing and and kind of sensing in our ongoing engagement in uh, female leadership empowerment. Yeah, that the female leadership empowerment around Southridge. It was actually one of the questions I asked Nate in my interview. I wanted to make sure that I was part of a community that like intentionally built into women's lives and empowered them in leadership positions. Um, yeah, it's been really great to see the amount of female leaders that are kind of emerging, not maybe out of the woodwork, but not so much um, in various roles. Jean, Courtney, and Jen, and Maddie on, on the stage is just amazing. Um, and I think they're also, like I said, providing examples for like young girls, like through brave, like the brave girls that are seeing that as well, that they know that there is a spot for them and they can take up space in in that as well. It's been really amazing to see. Once in a while, women can even win Euchre tournaments these days. So I, well, they can dominate so, them, I believe. So they can, sorry, they can dominate. Yes. They can dominate in Euchre tournaments. Yeah, yes. I should get that on the record as well. Yeah. Um, a- any other in, in your world, especially when it comes to uh, things emerging gender into, um, any other issues that the church has been facing that you'd like to speak into? Um... I think on the top of my head, I think. I think certainly still, you mentioned LGBTQ yeah, inclusion and yeah. the importance of creating not just safe spaces, but you know, being the kind of safe community that can mm-hmm. help contribute to stopping the suicides. Yeah. Um, obviously, is a huge deal breaker for us, uh, yeah. and something we want to continue to get way, way better in. Yeah, I think but, that is um, like a huge conversation that continue like needs to continue to happen. Um, within the church for sure. And uh, just, you know, as we wrap up, Erica, any other final sort of encouragements or challenges to either our members or other leaders listening when it comes to this, you know, engaging of an emerging generation's perspective on the church and its future? We love these fresh perspectives. We love your fresh perspective. How do we get more of these, you know, fresh emerging gen perspectives in the life of our community? Yeah, I, I feel like um, we're, I think, well, working specifically in the shelter, we're still pretty, pretty heavily into the, in the pandemic and dealing with COVID. But I think people are really struggling to figure out where they want to put their time and kind of protective of their time. And I'm definitely like this. But I think taking a couple hours on a Monday night to come to a barbecue and being part of the broader community um, or being part of like a community connect or like part of a worship team, I think we'll just as a, an emerging gen, like encouraging that generation, but also like to be part of those things, to be part of the broader community, but also for like, I don't know, older leaders, I guess I'll say that, like encouraging the emerging gen to, to dive head first and be like, hey, like you need to be fully in whether it's a two hour thing on a a Monday night or it's a week, like a weekly commitment doing something else. I think being protective of your time is good, but also using your time intentionally um, and, and helping to build the messy community that, 
that the church is, is trying to build so hard after such an isolating past few years, I think would be my encouragement slash challenge for, for folks. That's fantastic. And Erica, thanks not only for sharing that, but for being an example of that, of an emerging gen who's rallying other emerging gen to just get in the game. And I love the way you described it to help create this beautiful, messy community that is Jesus' vision for the kingdom. So thanks for being that and, and, and for sharing with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for all of you, thanks for tracking with us again this week. We'll see you again in around seven days' time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Thank you.